inspiration dwells here. And then we moving by the pack, so we moving them. And even if you don't, then you do, cause you cool with them. They be like, I only went to school with them. Let's get it. One, two, one. <laughs> Why are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, Brian's cracking me up. He's cracking up as he's in front of me. Three, two, one. Welcome to Color Correction, a Jesus-y podcast about race and faith from the perspective of an Asian guy, a black girl, and a white guy, too, and also another white guy. <laughs> I'm Andrew. I'm Asian. I use he, him pronouns. I'm Bethany. I'm black. I use she, her pronouns. I'm Chris. I'm white, and I use he, him pronouns. I'm Bryant. I'm white, and I use he, they pronouns. Great. Hmm. So, uh, Bryant has been on the podcast before, and he's back again. Honestly, what, like, while Beth was, I'm glad that Beth is in the room, because, like, while I was sitting here with you guys in the recording studio waiting for Beth's test to be done, I was like, this is the wrong energy for this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Two white guys and one Asian guy. Two white guys and one Asian guy. Three dudes in a podcast is, like, the wrong energy. It's literally the worst energy. I hate all the podcasts that are out there of, like, three guys that are friends just fucking talking to each other because it's so... Yeah, it's insufferable. It's such the problem with patriarchy that men think we care what the fuck they have to say. I know, exactly. Yeah, so I'm glad. I did did feel a heightened sense of everybody wants to listen to me talk right now it's just the three of us. <laughs> we were about to go into talking about urinals, and I was like, oh, this is the precipice. <laughs> this shark this has now jumped. Home, yeah. This Because <laughs> um, that urinal's running in there yeah. all the time. That is what we were talking That's about. That's a weird urinal. Yeah, right? Well, yeah. I mean. Well, here we go. Uh, <laughs> here we go. Yeah. Uh, talking about urinals. I mean, my hot take was that I thought it was normal. Is that the episode title? Here we go. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I mean. Speaking of waiting for Beth to test, though, would you guys? I, maybe we should just. Would you guys prefer to test before we record, or record, or just? What do you? I would prefer to record from home. Yeah, I cannot I agree. stand shoving yeah. that thing I in agree. my nose. Yeah, yeah. I was is... in the bathroom screaming. Well, you guys didn't hear me, so obviously I wasn't <laughs> screaming, but I was definitely doing a lot of cussing. I was like, I fucking hate this. <laughs> The entire time. It was so dramatic in there. I know. We, we stopped by a couple times and listened. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to go back and hit this one. make sure she's okay. Yeah. yeah it is. I was just wailing in there. I was so upset. <laughs> gnashing my teeth. It is really annoying. It's expensive. It's invasive. It's fucking expensive. Yeah. I don't want. I feel like I owe you 40 bucks now. Like, what the fuck? Everybody, Beth owes me 40 bucks. Yeah. Now that's on the and, podcast. And you leave this in. Leave this in. <laughs> No, I gave it to you, and I got him for cheap. So oh, you're so good. now I owe two different white men money. <laughs> uh-huh. This is how it starts. Yeah, I don't like yes. this. You guys are getting me back for reparations. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You're gonna get that money back somehow. <laughs> oh, you need a test, do you? <laughs> I've got one. I imagine you in like a top hat. <laughs> Delivery fee. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we really, uh, we really went out there. Sorry. So we like to start our podcast by talking about what we wish we had mentioned or wanted to bring up from previous episodes, um, and also uh, by reading what what y'all have to say to us in our speak up segment. Um, so this week we have a couple of different messages. Uh, this one is from a listener who says, um, 
I really appreciated the vulnerability and authenticity of your latest episode. Not that you weren't authentic in other episodes, but really putting it there, putting it out there how what's going on in the world and with Circle is impacting you felt real. I could feel some of that pain, confusion, weariness coming through the speaker on my phone. Thank you for sharing and for making the episode, even though it feels like a weird time and it's hard. Uh, that's only the first paragraph, but thank you for acknowledging that it is a weird time and it's hard. Also, do you guys listen to podcasts through the speaker on your phone? Seldom. Usually not. Yeah, I'm usually wearing headphones or it's in the car. Me too. Yeah. If I'm in my office, I'll listen to it through the speaker. I guess it's not that big of a deal. It's not like you need to hear our voices in <laughs> hi-fi. Yeah. I will say this, though. What shocked me I'm, was that... That's hilarious that that's your first question <laughs> from that letter. No, this you, is, are, you are missing out on my velvety tones. Um, <laughs> I mean, what honestly, what bothers me is when Tess told us that she listens to our podcast <gasps> on 1.5 speed. How dare you? And she's yeah, just used crazy. to it. I, don't, I listen I'm, to a lot of podcasts on 1.5, but I don't listen to you guys on 1.5. How do you put I up with so the rest of your life I mean, is my question. <laughs> yeah, doesn't everything feel really slow? All right. Anyway, I really resonated with Chris's pulling back in a needed time or not speaking up when something should be said. This is the white experience for myself and many of us. Mm. I think someone asked Chris what makes this hard for him. For me, the circle stuff is like I'm seeing the ugliness of white supremacy in my friends and community partners firsthand. I'm seeing what I have been able to choose to ignore because it was not so close to the surface. There are people in my and other congregations that I know I should probably talk to, but I feel like I can never talk to again. I don't even know if I could look them in the eye without shying away. I can't bear this personalization of the ugliness, and it locks me up, also feeling hopeless to uprooting even the tiniest fraction of internalized white supremacy and fear of pushing them away further. The line that hit me was, Bethany can't avoid conflict and keep her dignity, and mm -hmm. Chris can. I've been thinking about that all morning. What is dignity? Yeah. How is it assigned? Or where does its value lie? Can white people, men in particular, remain silent and do nothing in the face of harm and not have their dignity diminished? One might lose the dignity that we assign to ourselves, but it is almost impossible for white men to lose the dignity that white supremacy assigns to us just by being who we are. Really, it seems that sexual assault, some forms of violence, and harm to children are the only things that can put a dent in the way the world sees white men. I'm going to think more on this. Uh, and he says and that, even sexual assault is questionable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like it needs to be on video. Yeah, I mean it's also like still a punchline in a lot of in a lot of comedies. Yeah. Like yeah. the sexual assault of men is, until recently, I would say still like funny. Yeah, <laughs> quote unquote. Um. But yeah, I mean, I agreed with everything that the listener is saying, uh, especially when it comes to what's going on in uh, in our faith community. And also, you know what? I, I heard this from more than one person, Chris. I also really appreciated your honesty and vulnerability in talking about how that felt. Definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Thank you. To use church speak, it was a blessing. <laughs> <laughs> to use circle speak, it was relatable. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> or relational. That's the word, right? That too. Yeah. And uh, two listeners decided to respond specifically to my opinions about aliens. Uh, the first comes from uh, I'm Johnny Rashid, pastor, who has his own podcast, so I don't feel like I'm putting him on blast. Also a book coming out, so he's mm -hmm. like a public figure. Yeah. I can say Johnny Rashid said this. <laughs> he says, hey, all. Considering aliens as potentially colonialistic isn't white supremacist. 
I actually think Andrew's perspective might be white supremacist. <laughs> Edward Said and Peter Grant talk about orientalizing the far and Middle East by assuming they won't be colonialistic, but in fact, they are. To assume that the great evils our society are rooted in uh, are rooted in one cultural expression is exceptionalistic. Are Chinese or Egyptian people too stupid to express their carnal nature in evil systems? That's the question it begs. But brown cultures can be hegemonic, capitalistic, and imperialistic. White people didn't introduce them to these ideas. They've existed for a long time. Assuming they can't or that they have some secret to a peaceful way of living actually reduces them to something else. So the same applies to aliens, in my view. Um, and Bryant, uh, actually, the, and the second comment comes from Bryant, who expressed basically the same opinion, <laughs> saying, I'll start with my spicy hot take. I don't necessarily think colonization is white supremacist. I think white supremacy is a subsection of colonialism, uh, but I think the colonial mindset pre-exists in the human mind. Um, so... I don't know, Brian. Speak for yourself. You're right here. <laughs> the things I say on Slack. No, I think Johnny actually. What Johnny said was accurate. Um, yeah, I think Johnny said it. Said an actual coherent thought is that like colonialism has existed since the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the first colonial empires were the Akkadians and the like, the ones that we read about in the I mean, in the Old Testament and the ones that preceded them and. Um, that has kind of spread. And I think uh, tying race to empire is something you started to see in some ways in like like the ancient Romans did it. Um, But it was really... Sort of. Sort of. I made a face there. Sorry, the radio doesn't pick that up. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. But like, we're... Yeah, anyhow. But like colonialism has been... uh, And the idea of like taking your culture and trying to dominate and make everyone else subservient to your culture is something that has existed on every planet and like in many cultures like the i would say the aztecs were colonial as well well i don't Uh, know about on every planet brian did i say planet i meant continent (laughs) okay (laughs) (laughs) i guess you and johnny might say on every planet though we'll see someday maybe i mean here's i i you both of you picked up both of you assumed i said something that i'm not sure that i said but i i don't want to give the impression that I think that colonialism is somehow limited only to the white race or something. I think I said that. Did you? Yeah. Okay. And I still feel that way. <laughs> I don't <laughs> have no support for it, but I'm going to feel that way. <laughs> I mean, in a million years of, of our existence as a species, as in the, our, the modern iteration of our species, we've only seen this level of exploitation and industrialism under this particular white expression of colonialism. Mm-hmm. I mean, theoretically, I can I can see that it would it could probably arise under many different circumstances. Mm-hmm. But the example that we have for our human race is white colonialism. Not to say that other civilizations or groups haven't been colonial or been slaveholding or oppressive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, I think Jeff Bezos colonizing space is absolutely an expression of his white <clears throat> colonial mentality. I, I think what I was specifically taught, what I was, uh, what I was saying in that outtake was connected to what we were talking about in the episode regarding how our imaginations are shaped by the systems that we live in and limited by this mm-hmm. is particularly white supremacy. Yeah, uh, because I mean, what is guiding? And this is like guiding scientific thought, like mm-hmm. things like certain explanations of the Drake equation or things like the Kardashev scale. Like there are certain fundamental assumptions, 
when it comes to thinking about aliens about how they must be like us in that they must also be exploitative. Mm-hmm. And all I was saying was that, like, not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we make those assumptions is because our imaginations are shaped by white supremacy. Yeah. I think that's what I was saying. What I agree you... with that. Okay. Not that I have to. I'm just... I agree with that. <laughs> it's okay not to agree with me. <laughs> and if you don't, please write in. Yeah. John, <laughs> Especially if you're from another planet, we would love oh, to yeah. hear from you. We would love, love to. to hear please from use you. us as your as the mechanism of first contact. That would be great. We would love that. You have to take a COVID test. What if first. an alien came down and they were like super problematic, like in the early nineties or something, or the two thousands? In the early nineties or two thousands? Yeah, if they still were like <laughs> I don't know. Or something like, what if they were super problematic? And we were like, actually, we want you guys to go back to sleep. <laughs> we don't want you we here. We don't want you here. Man. That would be weird. There was if they sh- were just like us in like the 2000s or something. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe Johnny's right. Maybe we shouldn't have too high expectations for aliens. For aliens. <laughs> right. I don't know. I, mean, I would be disappointed like I mean, if an alien came down here and still uh, like pulled back with their purse when I walked past. <laughs> like, seriously? It's 2022. Like, I mean, you're basically they, a walking booger. What are you mad at? Yeah. Me? If all they know about right, us like is like a green thing. If all they know about us is like what they've been imbibing from our culture because of signals that we send out into space, maybe they are super racist. Yeah, they probably would oh, be. Man. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. Please stop tuning into everything else but this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Stop listening. If you want to learn about America for real, listen to this podcast. And only this and nothing one. else. <laughs> um, okay, so the reason that we have Bryant on the podcast today is um, to talk about a particular... I don't know, even know what to call it. Like a, a strain of thought? A phrase? What we're talking about is the idea of the third <clears> way. <throat> um, which is a phrase that has floated around in our particular faith community and also a lot of other faith communities, I guess, in the in the Anabaptist Mennonite circles. Um, and, I mean, Bryant has an intimate familiarity with those circles. And, you know, you're going to school for theology, so we figured we'd have you here to help us unpack some of this stuff, mm-hmm. um, particularly because certain expressions of this idea are frequently used against us in our anti-racist work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we figured, why not talk about that, right? Yeah. Um, so, Bryant, what is the third way? Uh, thanks for having me. Um, Welcome to the podcast. Yeah. Thank you. Welcome if back. If we had, like, our track again, we would have applause. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, third way thinking, um, it's really hard to pin down, I think, if when you research the third way, you get a lot of like um, political theory from the '90s, um, because it kind of uh, at least a version of it, the most famous version of it, came out of um, '90s politics. Like Bill Clinton was an ex- example of it, and Tony Blair, this kind of centrist, like we're economically conservative, but we are socially liberal, um, which to me doesn't make any sense because when you start being fiscally conservative and and like dismantling all of the systems that help support people like the welfare system, like Bill Clinton did. um, You're not being socially liberal or -hmm. socially progressive, but the third way uh, as a theological concept has existed for a long time. Um, There's a scholar, Walter Wink, um, who is really, 
I think, well-known in our community mm-hmm. in, at Circle of Hope. And he talks about the third way um, as a response as a non as a creative act of nonviolent resistance mm-hmm. to oppression, um, and I actually find that really beautiful because um, mm-hmm. he's talking about the third way as an alternative to mm-hmm. fight or flight. So when you fight, it's about vengeance; it's about getting back. If you f- flight, you're just running away. Um, but the third way is kind of like staying, standing your ground, asserting humanity mm-hmm. um, in in creative nonviolence. Um, so I think there's some beauty in that. I think there's some power dynamics there that need to be played out a little bit. Um, the way that might look for someone, the person who is in a like systematically oppressed, their third way is going to look a lot different than someone who has a lot of privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, but I think a lot of times those two uh, mm-hmm. ideas get collapsed onto each other. So the political idea of like third way, meaning centrist political centrism um, gets overlaid on this idea of um, Walter Winks yeah. Yeah, right. third way. And uh, I think those things are incompatible. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Johnny Rashid, Jesus takes a side 2022 coming out. <laughs> right. Yeah. May 2022. Right. <laughs> End of May, early June. Uh-huh. Um, I'm not even joking. I'm his. I know when he comes on, he's going to say a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope we're not taking away his shine. I'm but. sure he has plenty to say without us <laughs> stepping on his shoes. If this podcast takes away his shine, then the book's probably not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I mean, the book it will be worth it. I don't even know why we're why we're standing this book so hard. I guess we just like because he's our boy. We yeah, love, Johnny. love Johnny. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I, I like that you're drawing the distinction between the political this the, this political idea and the theological idea and pointing out how they're often conflated. The thing is, like when I think about these two ideas, I can see the attraction of like the centric like the third way as a position. Mm-hmm. You know, just because like I hear like the the theological idea of the third way as like an approach to resistance, and I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. There's like another way of doing things. Mm-hmm. And I and I can see why it would be easy for somebody to be like, well, maybe I can apply this other way of doing things and 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 assert that there is some other way to deal with cultural polarization, cultural conflict, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and be like, oh, instead of taking a side, I do this other thing. Uh, but it does end up as the status quo, and it does end up as, as centrism. Mm-hmm. And the problem is we've seen the negative effects of this kind of political application of the third way mm-hmm. in our faith community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm at the point where I wish I would never hear that phrase again, uh-huh. but I would also like that phrase to be redeemed mm. because when I, oftentimes white people speak in really coded language. I was saying that in our Twitter chat. Um, but at this point, the third <clears throat> way to me means I'm going to remain as comfortable as possible. Mm -hmm. That's what I hear our version of of white Mennonites version of the third way being, that I'm not going to give in too much. I'm not really going to say anything. I'm actually afraid of conflict, and therefore I'm going to lean on the third way as a mechanism of really being stagnant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was reading some articles that different people, particularly Mennonites, have written, and it's always used as a way to keep the group uh, to, like, keep the status quo going mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and keep uh, everything the way it is. I think third way thinking came out a lot in discussions about H- uh, LGBTQIA plus inclusion recently. 
um, like in the last five to 10 years. Mm -hmm. And it's always like, oh, the culture's so partisan. We just can't take a side. We got to do the third way. We got to love each other. Which is what anybody who is in the like, I want to use the word phrase ruling class, but that doesn't quite feel right. But anybody that actually benefits from being at the top of the status Mm -hmm. quo are the people that feel that way, right? Like, oh, it's too partisan. Mm -hmm. Well, it's because you're on top and you're comfortable. Yeah. And also, like, when you're saying it's too partisan, if you're dealing with people's lives, people's material realities, you're you're choosing to do nothing mm-hmm. like and you're cho- and in that choice you're making a choice against them yes which is mm-hmm. the like which is not i don't think what walter wink was getting at but i absolutely think the political and the way we often the kind of colloquial way that it gets used mm-hmm. it's um yeah desmond tutu has that famous phrase like he just may rest in peace rest in power whatever he just passed away. Um, <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> no, I got that. I got that cringe reaction because anytime a white dude says "rest in power," it's like, uh. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got it. Um, Stick with "rest in peace," Brian. <laughs> I'll stay in my corner. Um, yeah, that one. One of his like famous things that he said is like, if you're neutral in a system of oppression. You're choosing the side of the oppressor. Yeah. Mm. And I, he's absolutely You're right. You're complicit. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. I mean, and we in our church context saw, reaped the whirlwind of that when we, in, in our own approach to LGBTQIA inclusion, when in the early, in the early 2010s, mm-hmm. uh, we, we dealt face to face with the fact that um, people in the LGBTQ community were being hurt were being hurt by joining a church that they thought was for them and then running into all these invisible barriers or these or being told to be quiet mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then re- really realizing that what the church was trying to do was be a safe place for their oppressors mm-hmm. um, and 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 keep them both in the same pen uh, by uh, not saying anything not saying anything right, right. Yeah. and when you don't say anything what that really means is it, I, I mean, your oppression is okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and you compromise your dignity by staying there. Uh, and so the church had to deal with the fact that this non-stance stance, which it did try to characterize in a theological way by saying mm-hmm. that you're not reducible to your sexual orientation or your sexuality. Therefore, to say that you're any kind of orientation, to characterize yourself as as gay, lesbian, bisexual, whatever is a reduction. Is a reduction. That was the that was the stance. Um, the idea of naming yourself as queer or lesbian mm-hmm. and gay being a reduction of your identity is such a I don't know just a very um, ignorant stance to take, mm-hmm. right? Because there is so much culture in the LGBTQIA community, right? Like ballroom culture, particular language that Mm -hmm. is used, right? Like black drag queens, black trans women, give us a lot of the language that we use. Like my honeys, yes. Mm -hmm. That's from black Mm -hmm. 
gay men and from black trans women. Mm. So there's so much culture in that identity that to name yourself is a proclamation of your history. Mm -hmm. So only somebody who has not been a part of the oppressed class, it's almost like somebody saying, why do black people, like they used to say in the 90s and 2000s, and aliens probably, (laughs) where they would be like, why do you need Black History Month? Or Mm -hmm. why does BET exist? To say that identifying that way is a reduction is along those same lines, right? It just totally invisibilizes the culture that comes, the culture and the history that comes with that identity. Right, it's erasure. It's erasure. It's really frustrating. Because like it or not, in this human existence that we live in, those signifiers have meaning and they Mm -hmm. affect your life. And they affect your life sometimes like violently. Mm -hmm. Like if you move through the world and you don't know you're black, that is dangerous for you. <laughs> like you need to know that to survive mm-hmm. as a minority. Same mm-hmm. thing if you are like if you are gay or you're queer or you're you belong to a racial minority. Like these are things you need to know for your existence. Right. Mm-hmm. And telling somebody who for for whom that is their identity or part of their identity that like oh that's not that's uh that's a reduction. That's not who you really are. That that is an utterly pointless thing to give to give to somebody. It's really fucking racist. Yeah. yeah. It's really racist. And it speaks to how it speaks to how much whiteness can blind you to culture. Because Absolutely. like white people navigate the world as white people, right? And nobody would ever say that's a reduction. They would say that's the norm. So telling me that my culture is a reduction is I guess to like really uphold the idea that whiteness is the norm. Mm-hmm. Well, and and it's spoken by people who have the option of living outside of their identity. Right. I don't have an option. I'm black wherever the fuck I go, mm-hmm. whether I like it or not. There's always a point in the day, not not now that I don't leave my house because I work from home, but there's <laughs> al- used to always be a point in the day where I remembered that I was black. So somebody either kind of snapped back, somebody either asked me some question like, I know this girl, Keisha or Laquita, you'd love her, Bethany. And I'm like, she must fucking be black. Like, that's the only reason you (laughs) think I would love her. Like, there's always, there used to always, (laughs) there used to always be a point in the day Mm -hmm. where I remembered that I was black, right? I never, yeah, I never navigate life without that awareness. I wish I could go one day without that. Maybe if people just hear me on the phone. Yeah. And I have my professional voice on, but that's it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'm black. Yeah. I mean, the third way is literally unavailable mm, to minorities. To minorities, because mm-hmm. it's not as if because the 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 assertion that we should just like oh what you really are is the beloved of Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, and and to like assume that like I can take that to the bank, you know, that I can right. take that and live my life with only that signifier. <laughs> Uh, Imagine me uh, trying to open up a new credit card and telling them that I'm the beloved of Jesus. Uh-huh. <laughs> Please. It's going to be a very special bank if they right. take that. Right. Yeah. I mean, there are real <clears throat> economic, social, racial, cultural right. I'd, I'd like uh, implications, consequences mm-hmm. for these. And to go to a, to have a theology that pretends these don't exist um, is to have a theology that's pretty useless to... Pretty much everybody except people who, yeah, except white people, except Mm -hmm. people who don't have to think about this stuff. For people who didn't see that because it's a podcast, 
he just pointed at me. I didn't point at <laughs> you. <laughs> you did. I, I wasn't going to say anything. I didn't point to you because I thought you were right. I thought you were going to say something. So I was going to like, oh, I throw something. Andrew, people who are, people white. Who are uh, the, the white. The white people. Exactly. Exactly. And I am, I am wearing a sweater over a button down shirt. So. <laughs> it's so white on me. I do think the third way could be useful. Mm-hmm. I just feel like it's always manipulated, right? Like at one point in time, I would be like, especially when I was younger and even more spicy, but I would be like, fuck MLK. I totally don't mean that now. Like that's a wild young person thing to say. But where that came from was constantly having white people weaponize MLK against Mm me. And I felt like he didn't mean anything anymore because white people had diminished his meaning. That's how I feel about the third way. Like I feel like it could be useful, but it's been misused and weaponized um, and made a part of such violence so Mm -hmm. often that at this point it feels useless. Mm -hmm. And I I wonder what redemption for that word looks like. Mm. I do want to engage with that. but And I think part of that might mean going back to what Walter Wink mm-hmm. meant it when he originally posited the term. But before I was about to say, I think you mean Henry Winkler, but no, you're right. It's, it's Walter well, Wink. Uh, but before Wrong we, person. but before we do that, I do want to, um, I, I do want to try to address the heart of people of people who advocate for the the basically political application of this term in a church or theological context. I mean, not advocate for them, but kind of see where they're coming from, mm-hmm. because. The world, the, the world that they want to live in is one where, despite our differences, we believe in Jesus and we believe in loving God and loving one another and then uniting over that idea despite all of our other differences. Um, and I think people who adhere to that idea would listen to us and be like, well, what's wrong What's wrong with that idea? Why can't we just come together over our shared love of Jesus? Yeah, we're like the church is bringing heaven to earth. So right. why can't we live into that that new humanity? Right. Um, <laughs> why are you laughing? I because like I was I, like I was totally excited when we introduced that language back in two thousand nine about like new humanity. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I was I was absolutely on board with it. I'm listening to this. I'm like, oh man. It's so problematic. Yeah. Time brings wisdom. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I just said that I said fuck MLK. (laughs) (laughs) On MLK week. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, finish your question. (laughs) Well, I mean, I I guess like is how do you respond to people who come at us with that with that idea? Because it sounds like a beautiful idea, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's missing something, and it's missing some of the things that we've already been talking about. Mm -hmm. I don't think you can get to a third way until Mm -hmm. you acknowledge and relinquish the ways that we've been given. Mm -hmm. So it's not until white people really know how to and learn how to relinquish their whiteness that a third way can even be an option. Mm. Yeah, it's just just people hitting the fast-forward button Mm -hmm. on, on like, the whole important part. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and actually, like, reality. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, that's... You're, you're trying to skip over the end. Like, mm-hmm. that's, that's mm-hmm. even possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, one of our friends called it, and I called a, a friend of ours in a Twitter chat called it evangelical nihilism, which I thought was really helpful. Uh, a phrase I'd never seen before, but it's this idea of, like, this world. I think I think that a lot of the, the way a lot of our friends use it, this is hidden in the background, 
But I think in many evangelical circles, it's very blatant. But this world's going to burn and like heaven's going to come and fix all of this mess. Mm. And we don't necessarily have that much to do with it. Mm. Um, I think that's latent in sometimes in in the way that we talk about like the new humanity stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that is the eschatology. That is the end vision. Mm. Sure. And we're trying to bring it here and now, which I get. But also like what you're Bethany, you're saying is like we can't be equal until like the people with a lot of privilege and power surrender it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's like then like if you're that if you're that kind of a person who's just like the world's going to burn, like how do you deal with the incarnate God who became a person and like basic like how do you deal with that? Like God wanted to get in here. Mm, That's not skip to the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, sure. This is a whole theological side thing where yeah. we talk about the importance of matter. Uh, <laughs> but that's James Cone. I, I like what I mean. I, yeah. I, I, I think I get what all of you are saying. And I think you touched upon something really important, which is that the description of what of this idea that what we really are is the beloved of, of God and the other things are of secondary importance is a description of an eschatological reality. It's mm-hmm. the description of something that's ultimate that we're going to get to, or we we want to get to, but until um, until we ha- but we can't get there without justice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't get there until the reckoning happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's like an abuser wanting to reconcile before they've stopped abusing somebody. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you just hit me, and mm-hmm. now you're telling me that I have to forgive you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, the abuse has to stop. the 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 reparation has to be made yeah. mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. before we can just be people, be the beloved of God. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just like you get people who people who espouse these views get to ignore the realities that they don't personally experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it would be different if like the people who were giving us this theology came out of those oppressed communities but that's right. not how it's worked out so far no it's always yeah weaponized against the folks that come from that community yeah i also think the idea of like evangelical nihilism that like oh this like body this earth is just temporary so we're just kind of hanging out that's so goofy to me because like <laughs> <laughs> to say the least because like so I'm a part of the Philadelphia Community Bail Fund that advocates for the end of cash bail if you're a new listener. Um, but, like, I don't fucking think that prisons will no longer exist or that bail will end in my lifetime, maybe in my 50s or something, uh, which is, oh, shit, that's just 20 years from now. So maybe in my 60s. That's crazy. I want to go home. Oh, wow. <laughs> when I said that, I was thinking really like 30 or 40 years from now. But We're I'm watching Beth realize her mortality in <laughs> real time this in is, the studio. Yeah, I'm like clutching my pearls. Um, but yeah, most of the things that I advocate for, I do not expect to reap the benefit. I'm mm-hmm. sowing seeds for um, future generations. I'm right. working mm-hmm. towards being a good ancestor now. So the idea of kind of just letting things happen around you because one day <laughs> you'll reap the benefits of heaven is really counterproductive to well, me. And doesn't yeah. that tell everybody what they need to b- know about like your current location in like the socioeconomic stratosphere? Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, you can just sit back and watch the world burn cuz you're on a hill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's very weird. Like, I don't understand people 
that have that viewpoint. You yeah. have to work for, yeah, I think we have to work towards and work for heaven on earth yeah. mm-hmm. and to create heaven for um, people who are experiencing oppression on this earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess my, I, yeah, I, I completely agree. I guess the tough thing for me, and I, I mean, I was raised as evangelical, and I feel like evangelicals are all about like I don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. I don't have to. I don't have to. I don't have to try. Jesus tried. Mm-hmm. Jesus, Jesus tried did for all me. The mm-hmm. Yeah, he did all the trying. But if you, I mean, if you believe that God is going to come and remake the world and bring justice to it, I mean, don't you? Don't you want to be part of that? Well, mm-hmm. don't you want like even if we can't accomplish it, and if even if you think God is ultimately going to come and accomplish it, don't you want to? M- don't you want to do the thing that God makes complete? Mm-hmm. Like, don't you want to be part of what he's doing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he finishes it and you can say like, I was invited to help God in doing that. As opposed to like, I just sat around and did nothing. Well, God did all the work or I don't even, I don't know. <laughs> are we? Yeah. It's like, are we co-creators with God or mm-hmm. are we just like passive clay to use that one song? Mm-hmm. I, I don't even, what song? What do I don't think? remember. It's a hymn. Okay. You can cut that out. Um, <laughs> I was going to Somebody out there is going to get it. No, it's a it's an old hymn. Oh, okay. I was just going to sing the words "passive clay" in hymn form. <laughs> you, that probably would have <laughs> probably know. Right. Like, Many hymns are the same. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Turns out. Well, let's talk about. Um, we've talked about the inadequacies of the the third way and how it's actively harmed us in our work. Um, <laughs> Why did you? <laughs> Why did you say it like that with your teeth together? Because now I want, I'm going to suggest this, some, this something that I, maybe I don't even believe in, which is how do we or can we redeem the third, the language of the third way? Is it worth redeeming at this point? Because you so. have a reaction to it, right? You're like, yeah, I have the great, same reaction that I do about like the Christians. third way. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, the same way that I feel about the language of Christian and I've tried to abandon that. Oh like, yeah. We've talked about can't. this before. Right. Um, and it's ridiculous for me to try. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I kind of feel that way about the third way, but I do think it could be redeemed if the new movement of the third way was led by those on the margins. Mm-hmm. Like if queer people are leading us towards the third way, I want that shit. Like, mm. if disabled people are leading us towards the third right. way, like, right. that's the third way that I want. Because I think those that are on the margins, one, relate to Jesus better, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Roman Empire occupied land Jesus that, like, Mary mm-hmm. had to probably be like, make sure you have your ID and your robe. That Jesus is connected. You guys, mm-hmm. fuck y'all for not laughing at that. That I was mean, very funny. You, you I just really, took it totally like, seriously. That was, like, so subtle. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't laugh so... at me saying that Jesus would have an ID in his robe. I was just nodding along. Yeah. I was like, yeah, Jesus definitely would have had an ID in his yeah. robe. Jesus, he don't make eye Jesus, contact like, with those centurions. The Israel, like a DMV or something? Like, no. Yo. Whatever. Don't laugh at my jokes then. <laughs> but like that Jesus, <laughs> like, I'm so mad at you guys. I don't think Jesus had an ID. I think he was undocumented. <laughs> <laughs> Probably was. He couldn't vote. Uh-huh. Yeah. But that Jesus relates to those on the margin. So I feel like folks like myself, like you, queer folks, disabled folks, we understand Jesus in a way that could really direct um, those that have power Mm -hmm. to the third way. But those that have power refuse to relinquish their ideas of the third way because, again, the third way for most 
white Christians that I've met is about their comfort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the original, and I think, yeah, if we like want to give all the credit to Walter Wink, that's fine. But I think that this is like the reality that the black church has been living into for generations and generations mm-hmm. of this, like trying to find, uh, and the black church is vast and dynamic and changing. Um, mm-hmm. But there is always that tension between like, the way Walter Wink said it was that fight or flight of like, do we, or separatist or um, integration, but like there's always this tension of like, we want to find freedom. We're fighting for freedom, but we also, if we just become, uh, but there are many in the community who would say that if we just become violent um, reactionaries, then we have just become our oppressors. Like, or Mm -hmm. if we become violent Mm -hmm. oppressors, then we have become those who have oppressed us. I don't know if that. No, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what's said. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to like speak for <laughs> the black church, but I'm. I want to say like I think that 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 is the tradition that we can look to, and we can find the third way, even if it's not being called that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. If you if you what uh, I'm gonna quote MLK at you, so like prepare yourself thank you for the, <laughs> trigger, the trigger warning, warning yes. uh i was listening to his uh the speech he gave in memphis the night before he was assassinated and he talks about um cultivating a dangerous unselfishness mm. and i thought that was a really good way of like catalyzing that third way because he talks about the he's um interpreting the the story of the good samaritan and he's saying like I've been to that road. I've seen it. And like, maybe the people that kept on walking were terrified. Um, So he's like, he's talking about this road in Jericho and he's saying like, it's really easy to be ambushed. It's a really easy place to get overtaken. And, and so these people, they keep going because they're scared. They see this person and they think what's going to happen to me if I stop for them. Hmm. But he's like, the question that Jesus calls us to ask is what happens to him if I don't stop? Um, And Hmm. so for, for Dr. King and the civil rights movement, they're fighting for the the Good Samaritan. Like they're fighting to be the Good Samaritan, but they're also asking the the rest mm-hmm. of the country to like stop and notice our suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like I think something that what well, that's something that the third way actually does get out is like when it's grounded in taking the side of the oppressed, mm-hmm. taking the side of the downtrodden. Then I think it's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. because it requires something especially of those people with a lot of privilege and a lot of power mm-hmm. because they have to stop and they have to say like it doesn't matter what happens to me it matters what happens to that person who's hurt mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's about those that have power remolding themselves mm-hmm. like there are ways in which I'm homophobic and transphobic and ableist and every time mm-hmm. somebody cor- or fat phobic right like all of these things And every time somebody corrects me, my instinct is to be defensive. But then I'm like, no, I need to remold my identities Mm -hmm. and the thoughts and the things that I've been taught that have formed my identity. So, like, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking of when it comes to the third way. Like, not only supporting and being led by or listening to the oppressed, Mm -hmm. but also taking that in and reforming your own identity. Mm Mm-hmm. The third way is really about those with power, yeah, reforming themselves. Mm -hmm. Because isn't that identity, like, those identities also oppress us. Like, yes, I'm a white guy talking about that. So it's like a little, like, oh, I'm oppressed by my whiteness, which is 
But you are. Mm-hmm. Which I am. Yeah. It's like, complex. Yeah, it's I, like, I don't, com- I trust but you. Like, if I, the average white guy walked up to me talking about that, I would be like, mm, okay. yeah, uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. But like, I don't know. Start I've again. got a lot of internalized <laughs> fat phobia and I am a fat person. Mm-hmm. And that is really, that is something I am working through a lot lately. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, medical changes, the, the pandemic, I've put on some weight and like it is, it weighs on me a lot more than it used to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, and so that's an internalized oppression. But also, as a white man, like, I'm not able to see the world as it is. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not able to see the ways in which race oppresses yeah. people. And I've mm-hmm. had to have my eyes opened to that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you have to be willing to have your eyes open to that, right. too. I mean, to express some sympathy for white people. Uh, <laughs> James, Why are you looking at me James while you Cone, say that? I love, I love this a, segment. I'm not happy about that. James, James Cone talks about how, like, yes, the reality is we all have to be freed from oppression. And what that means for oppressors is that they need to be freed of their capacity to oppress. Mm-hmm. Because that, mm-hmm. that oppresses you. Mm-hmm. That, when we ourselves are in a capacity to oppress... It is hurtful and shameful and damaging to our own psyches that we are that we participate in this system that we hold the ability to to oppress other people. Mm-hmm. We want to be relieved of that. Um, we need to ask to be relieved of that. You know that that privilege is something that has to be given up, and the giving of that up gives you a certain freedom. Um, so, in terms of what we're summing up, I think what you guys are are touching upon is interesting because you're saying that maybe there is something salvageable about the third way, not only as an approach, not only as nonviolent resistance, which I think we kind of all agree can be a useful tool, especially yeah. uh, it, when it is being used by uh, the oppressed and not when it is being demanded of from the oppressors. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. But you're also saying that the idea that the third way as a stance can be useful when it's used to call oppressors and people who have privilege into accountability mm-hmm. to, do, to do something else, to stand with the oppressed. Yeah, into being mm-hmm. transformed, right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, if you believe in that transformation that Jesus offers us, maybe, maybe see, maybe instead of demanding other people transform to make you comfortable, See how you can transform. I, yeah, I think that's what it is. Right. Yeah. I think that's the episode. I think honestly. that's. I think that's. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This was a very <laughs> concise <laughs> episode. Bad, yeah. But I think that's it. I yeah. think so. I was nervous you were going to try and push us more, so I was like, no, that's it, Andrew. <laughs> mm-hmm. No more. Um. So we like to end our podcast by talking about. Wait. Um. I think this is where Tess's little voicemail is going to be. I keep forgetting to put it in. Hey, it's Tess. I'm here to remind y'all to not only go follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Color Correction Podcast, but also to like, share, and comment on our posts. This pushes us to the feeds of more folks who like... Oh, sorry, Andrew. Someone just knocked at my door. Give me one minute. Hey, it's Tess. I'm here to remind y'all to not only go follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Color Correction Podcast, but also to like, share, and comment on our posts. This pushes us to the feeds of more folks who might like this juicy podcast about race and faith. Help us keep the algorithm happy with some interaction. You can also give us a five-star review wherever you're listening to us and tell someone you know about us. Plus, we just like hearing what resonates with you. Again, you can find us at, at Color Correction Podcast. Say how to the algorithm for me. So we like to end the episode by talking about whatever we're into this week. Uh, Beth, you want to kick us off? 
Yeah, so I am really bad at reading books. I typically talk about audiobooks, but my mother got me a book for Christmas and I was really fussy this Christmas. I just wasn't in a good mood. So I was so irritated with her for getting me a book. I was like, you know that I don't read books. I've told you so many times, it's really hard for me to sit and focus to read a book. Um, but for whatever reason, I started reading this book and this is the first book that I finished since I was like 22 years old, like to actually sit and go through an entire book. And it is Tabitha Brown's Feeding the Soul, because it's my business, that's how she sounds, um, Finding Our Way to Joy, Love, and Freedom. Hmm. And it has been such a beautiful book to read because Tabitha is deeply spiritual in a way that I identify with. If you guys aren't familiar with Tabitha Brown, she um, got kind of like TikTok and Instagram famous over the pandemic for doing like soul food vegan recipes like for a while I was like shit I think I could be vegan too um she's incredible um she's like really excited and joyful such a positive oh my god influence she's just really like and she wrote a book yeah she oh. wrote a book recently um so anyways it's her book it's deeply spiritual I relate to it in in really like it it felt like I'm finishing this book because God really um called me to read it to to take myself into 2022 2021 was really difficult for me I've talked about that um in different ways on the podcast um and I decided to take ownership again because 2021 took me out I didn't do much living um but I decided that my word for 2022 would be ownership and the way that she talks about taking ownership of her life and trusting God and even trusting the visions that God has given her she has foresight as well like kind of like I do um yeah, it just deeply touched me and really, um, yeah, I feel like fueled going into 2022. So thank you, Miss Tab, Auntie oh, Tab. That's great. I, I, I have like mad that I love can picture for you. Her. Nice. Um, want to go? Just go around this way. Sure. Um, yeah, I've also I was listening to an audiobook this week as well. Um, I read the book. Not oh, an right. Audiobook. You didn't. I did. Okay, sorry. Uh, you said two. I got upset. I actually read it this time. <laughs> I'm very proud of you for reading. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Brian. Um, but I was... Oh, I, my book. Uh, what was the book? Oh, so the, uh, what has been really f- inspiring me this week is actually, if you want to talk about aliens and empire, um, there is a... I guess there's... Yeah, there's a book called A Memory Called Empire by... Uh, Arcady Martin. It's a uh, sci-fi book set in the long future after um, there is a galactic empire. Um, and uh, it really, it just dives into language and um, belonging. And it's a story of like a woman who comes from outside the empire and she's like thrust into, she's an ambassador in the heart of the empire. And it's written from her story. So it's told um, you just get a real sense of what it's like to be someone who is outside of what it, the, like, what is the norm in the mm. empire to be thrust into a new environment. Um, and I think it has a lot of, um, connections to, to whiteness and to, uh, you know, post-colonial, decolonial, decoloniality. And, um, it's just, it's a book I've been thinking about since I read it, man, I highly recommend it. Awesome. Awesome. Um, well, you all know him as an author, but 
the people at this table know him as our friend who touched the hem of Justin Timberlake's garment. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. <laughs> um, I, Jeff James, um, who's, a, who's a part of our church, um, we read, I, I read his book, um, Giving Up Whiteness, which is his personal account of really coming to terms with what it means to be white um, and all the, and like in his, in his, in his journey. And like, for me, it had a lot of parallels to my own. Um, and I, I think, um, in our, in our context, it's actually opened up some good conversations. Um, so giving up whiteness, Jeff James. Nice. Dang. I have been over here furiously trying to Google something that I'm into because <laughs> I did not, uh, do you my didn't homework. Come prepared. I didn't, I didn't come prepared. Um, for me, it was like three different things before I sat down and like, like, that I wasn't actually into. I just wanted to say something. <laughs> um, what am I into? Uh, you really like the fox that we saw. Oh, yeah. There was that fox. Oh, we yeah, were at my house and we saw a fox. Oh. Walking outside, the creek. Walking along the creek. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm into that. I'm into the, I'm into the fox and the creek. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know what I'm into. All right. So I see so you lied to us about the fox in the creek, Andrew. I mean, I, I that I fox used. in the creek. Is, I, I've never seen a <laughs> fox too. before. Before that, <laughs> really? I've, yeah, I've never seen a fox. Oh, That's so, so interesting to me. Yeah, I had really never. Beautiful. I had, I had like I had never had so long an encounter. Like just just sitting watching that it fox just rolling along, along the creek. Beautiful. I went home. I told my incredible. wife about. It. I was just like, I was enthralled. Yeah. yeah, they look like walking balls of fire. I feel like like they're mm. such a particular so red. They mm. just look like a ball of fire walking. Yeah. I love foxes. You know what? That is what I'm into. You sold me on that. We were sitting at my at the dining table at my place, and we looked out the window, and there was just a fox across the creek. Yeah, just like hanging out, and then it started walking along the creek and we just stood up and watched it it was really nice it was um they're so agile Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. like i think about like dogs i thought it would look like a dog or something yeah it doesn't it moves much more like a cat in the way it does yeah kind of walk Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um great so special thanks to you'll have to wait till next next time for what i'm into brian Um, <laughs> cliffhanger uh, special thanks <laughs> next season <laughs> special thanks to Joe Mahoney our audio engineer and also to Tess Patino who uh, is our social media goddess Jared Selby does our theme song and Amy Young does our website and make sure you guys are writing into us we want to hear how you're following Jesus as well as doing anti-racism work and your other thoughts maybe you have thoughts on aliens too um, write into us go to colorcorrectionpodcast.com um, and with that stay black little mermaid I'm finishing everybody's sentences. That's kind of obnoxious. Sorry. I don't know. I I appreciate it. Yeah. It gives me a little bit of momentum. (laughs) (laughs) Beth's keeping the tempo. (laughs) I like it because it's it would be hard for us to do that on uh, the internet. Yeah. You know, this is like real time response. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Kind of cool. Sometimes I guess wrong though.
<laughs> that's but then what that's makes fun. me a bad sentence finisher. <laughs> yeah, so I fine. went to California. Java juice. Uh, no, the grocery store. Oh, my bad. <laughs> I would be like, not exactly, but close. <laughs> the grocery store. Just got a yes and. 